May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. My name is uh, Mike McGowan, I'm the senior pastor here. And I want to welcome our North Campus today. They're watching us by live video feed. Um, you know, I wasn't born a Christ follower. And the fact is, no one is born a Christ follower. Everyone, at some point in time in their life, has to come to the place where they choose to become a Christ follower themselves. Now, for me, that happened just before I entered junior high. Um, and I wouldn't have described myself as like a skeptic, but I would definitely say I had doubts. Okay? I doubted whether God was real. I doubted whether Jesus was real. I certainly doubted whether he rose from the dead. I doubted pretty much that anything that had to do with Christianity was real. I, I just simply doubted those things. And I, I had no problem if other people believed that it was real, but the truth is, I wasn't buying it. But there was one key thing that helped me overcome my doubts, and that was this. I went to church. Actually, more accurately, my parents went to church, and they made me go with them. And so it was um, over time that consistent, long-term exposure to God and to Christianity, that's what won me over. So I'm so glad that my parents made me go to church with them. It was really key in my spiritual growth. Now, when I was at church, I kept hearing over and over and over again that God loved me. And that he had sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. And that if I would ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart, come into my life, to forgive me for everything I've ever done, and then pledge my life to following him, then he would forgive me for all of my sins, even the ones I hadn't committed yet, and he would let me go to heaven when I die, and he would change my life here on this earth. He promised all those things. Now, I didn't believe any of that stuff the first time I heard it. I didn't even believe it the second time I heard it, or the 22nd time that I heard it. Because for me, there were a couple of factors. First was, is that I knew some Christians that didn't act like Christians should. They didn't portray any kind of changed life. And so, that made me doubt. Second thing is, is that they were asking me to believe in a God that I could not see and that I could not touch. And so, naturally, I was skeptical. But after years of going to church, I realized that all those things I was skeptical about were actually true. And so then I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower. And the truth is, my life has never been the same since. No, for you, maybe we have some people in this room this morning that are skeptics. Maybe, maybe we have some people that are skeptical. Perhaps we're skeptical because we know some Christians that don't act like Christians. Or maybe we're skeptical because we're being asked to believe in a God that we cannot see and that we cannot touch. Or, you know, maybe for us, we know a skeptic. And maybe that skeptic is a member of our family, a very close friend. And we long for the day 
that that person would become a Christ follower. But what do we say to them? What do we not say? Is that person a lost cause? Or what if I still am a little skeptical? What if at times I still have doubts? I mean, maybe I prayed the prayer as a Christ, to become a Christ follower long ago, but I still have some doubts. Does that make me a lost cause? Look, we're going to talk about all of those issues this morning. And all of those issues are addressed in the life of a man named James. And James, I'm telling you, he was skeptic extraordinaire. I mean, for decades, this guy didn't believe in Christ and wanted nothing to do with Christ. So if there was ever a lost cause when it comes to faith, I'm telling you, it was James. Now, for those that don't know who James was, James was the brother of Jesus Christ. Actually, he was the half-brother of Jesus. He was one of Mary and Joseph's natural-born sons. And I know you'd think, you know, growing up with Jesus, you know, he would be a believer, right? I mean, he grew up with the Son of God. Mary was his mom. How is he not a believer? Well, it's actually not too hard to understand how James might have been a little skeptical, you know, because I mean, he grew up with like, you know, the perfect older brother. And by that, I mean, he really was perfect. And can you imagine how hard that must have been growing up with the perfect older brother? I mean, I bet you more than one occasion, Mary said, James, how come you can't be more like your brother Jesus? I'm sure she said it just like that. So, and then, you know, can, can you imagine, you know, Mary's like, boys, go clean up your room. Jesus is like, already done. <laughs> or Mary's like, you know, I think I want some more shelves over here. Jesus is like, I've already got those measured out, mom. Or they come home from Hebrew school, you know, they pull out their report cards. Jesus is like, 100 on everything. <laughs> and, then th- and think about this. More seriously, think about this. Jesus didn't perform his first miracle until he was 30 years old. And so James grew up never seeing a miracle, never seeing Jesus heal anyone, never seeing anything that would back up the claims that Jesus was the Son of God. So you want to talk about someone who was a skeptic? I'm telling you, it was James. He had a front row seat to the life of Jesus growing up, and he did not believe in him. I mean, if there was ever going to be anyone that was going to be hard to win over, it was going to be James. So let's walk through the life of James and see what God would say about skepticism. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's start with the first part of it. If I am a skeptic. And by the way, if you are a skeptic, the truth is you probably don't feel like a lost cause. In fact, you might think that Christians feel like you're a lost cause, but you don't feel like one. And you might even be thinking, hey, you know what, Pastor Mike? you talking to me about Jesus. Now that's a lost cause. Well, I would say to you the very same thing that God would say to you. And that's the first point here. It is take an honest look at the resurrection. 
take an honest look at the resurrection. Now, we're about to read two very key verses in the life of James. And I say that they're key because, get this, every, in every verse mentioned before these two verses, James is a skeptical unbeliever. And then, after these two verses, every verse that mentions James, James is a staunch follower of Christ. So what happens in these two verses? Let's look and see. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning of verse 6, the Bible says this. After this, okay? Now, what is the this? This, he's referring to, is the resurrection. So somewhere out in the margin, I want you to write resurrection. So after the resurrection, after this, he, and the he he's talking about is Jesus. So after this, Jesus appeared to more than 500 other followers. So look, this is a very public event. This isn't behind closed doors. It could be verified. That's what I'm saying. Most of them are still alive, but some have died. He also appeared to James. I want you to underline that. He also appeared to James. And then to all of the apostles. So get this. The pivotal moment for James was seeing the resurrected Jesus. Look, this guy who's been skeptical of his older brother all his life, the thing that swayed him was the resurrection. Well, why? Why is the resurrection so powerfully convincing? This is in your notes. It's because it's proof that the claims of Christ are real. I want you to circle the word proof. It's proof. Think about it. I mean, anybody can claim that they're the son of God and, you know, savior of the world and should be worshipped as such. But then if they die, like, who cares? I mean, we just write them off as some religious nut, right? But if someone comes along and claims to be the son of God and says, I'm willing to die so that my death can pay the price for your sins, and I'm going to prove it by resurrecting from the dead. And then if it actually happens, well, that's undeniable proof, right? And when James saw Jesus in person after Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, that was it. He was convinced because the next time we meet James, he's gone from jaded skeptic to spiritual leader. Look what the Bible says in Acts 21, verse 17. It says, when we arrived in Jerusalem, the believers welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to visit James. All the spiritual leaders were present, including James. So James went from doubting brother to spiritual leader. And it was the resurrection that made him a believer. By the way, if you're a skeptic, the fact that James converted to become a Christ follower should both interest you and unnerve you. It should interest you because, you know, here is a guy that for more than 20 years denied and doubted Jesus. And now he's made a massive change in his beliefs to thinking that Jesus is the Son of God. That ought to spark some interest. 
but it should also unnerve you. Because if a guy, after more than 20 years of staunch disbelief, is willing to change all of his, his beliefs and change his entire life, then that should cast a pall of doubt over your own skepticism. And by the way, James wouldn't be the first atheist that's converted to Christ. Lee Strobel um, has a law degree from Yale, Yale University and for 15 years was an investigative journalist in Chicago. And he set out on a quest to disprove Christianity and to disprove the resurrection of Christ. And so you know what happened? He became a Christ follower. Yeah, he became a Christ follower. In fact, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ that, is, that, that logs all of his findings as well as his conversion from atheism to Christianity using all of his skills as a lawyer and investigative journalist. I'm telling you, this is an incredible book. If you've never read The Case, to Christ, Case for Christ, especially if you're a skeptic, then you ought to. You ought to take an honest look at the resurrection. Because look, here's the deal. If you're a skeptic, I can afford for you to be right. Because if you're right, then when we die, we just cease to exist. But you can't afford for me to be right. Because if I'm right, then when we die, we're separated into two groups of people. Those that will go to heaven and spend eternity with God, and those that will go to hell and be eternally separated from God. So look, don't you owe it to your own personal, eternal destiny to at least take an honest look at the resurrection to see if it's true? Take an honest look at it. All right, let's switch gears for just a second. Let's talk about if I know a skeptic. If I know a skeptic, then number two, don't argue, show Christ through kindness. Don't argue, show Christ through kindness. You know, for most people, it's pretty easy to understand how a skeptic might be a lost cause, okay? Because first, because you aren't sure enough about what you believe to get into a debate with them. And second, because skeptics tend to be pretty adamant about what they think. And so, it's easy to think that they can't be swayed. And I understand that. And Jesus does too. Because he was in a very similar situation with his brothers. Actually, his half-brothers, of which there were four. Okay? In these verses that we're about to read, the brothers are trying to bait Jesus into doing miracles in public so that he can prove that he's the Messiah. Okay, look what the Bible says in John chapter 7, beginning of verse 4. And this is the brothers talking, okay? They're saying to Jesus, they said, No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. Now remember, James is one of these four brothers. Okay? They're trying to bait Jesus, even goad Jesus into an argument. 
But what does Jesus do? Nothing. He merely says, nah, timing's not right. He doesn't act threatened. He doesn't debate them. He doesn't um, scold them or condemn them or lecture them or judge them. He doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. You see, you need to remember that people are not argued into believing in Christ. They're not debated into believing or guilted into it or shamed or manipulated or condemned or lectured. When people come to believe in Christ, it's because they are one. They are won over by your kindness to them, even when they are skeptical. Now, I'm going to be honest, it's pretty slow. And some people will never believe. But if someone is ever going to become a Christ follower, it's because that you love them, even when they're skeptical. And it makes an impact. So much so that whenever they are asking questions and looking for the meaning of life, that they will more than likely come back to you because they know that you won't judge them. Even if they have questions and even if they have doubts, what they're not going to do, they're not going to go back to the person that lectured them or judged them or condemned them. That's what they won't do. And so here's the deal. Act kindly. Because you might be the only Jesus that they ever see. And in the long run, you will have paved a path of peace for them to take a step of faith. All right, let's look at a third category. Number three is this. If I'm still skeptical at times, if I'm still skeptical at times, what do I do? Number three, I need to let my actions be evidence of my faith. Let my actions be evidence of my faith. I'm telling you, if I had understood this one truth, it would have saved me years, years of anguish and worry. Because here's the deal. I went through what you know, pretty much most believers go through. I had doubts that Jesus had really saved me from my sins. Because here's the thing. I thought that if I had had this, you know, eternal experience where, you know, my eternal destiny has been changed from going to hell, now going to heaven, no, that I would feel something. I would think that I would have felt something. And, and the truth is, there are some people that feel different, but for most people, that's not the case. And it certainly wasn't for me. You know, when I became a Christ follower, I prayed the prayer asking Jesus to come into my life and pledge my life to following him. Like, and that was it. Like, I said amen, and that was it. Like, no electricity went through my body or anything like that. You know, I didn't feel God entering my heart going, I'm here. I didn't, like, fall on the ground, you know, start twitching and rise up to become Mike the Magnificent Christian. Like, none of that happened, okay? I mean, I just said the prayer, and I said amen, and like, that was it. Like, I didn't feel any different. And so get this, because nothing happened, I became skeptical that anything happened. 
And so for years, I kept praying the prayer to become a Christ follower, you know, in case it didn't take the first time. (laughs) But now I know that it did. I know that it did. And how do I know that it did? Let's look what the Bible says in the book of James. That's right. This is a book of the Bible that was written by our former skeptic, now turned theologian. Look what the Bible says in James 2, 14 through 18. My friends, what good is it to say that you have faith? We don't do anything to show that you really do have faith. Can that kind of faith save you? Now, the rhetorical answer is no. If you know someone who doesn't have any clothes or food, you shouldn't just say, I hope all goes well with you. I hope you'll be warm and have plenty to eat. What good is it to say this? Unless you do something to help. Faith that doesn't lead us to do good deeds is all alone and dead. Suppose someone disagrees and says, it is possible to have faith without doing, doing kind deeds. I would answer, prove that you have faith without doing kind deeds. And I want you to underline the rest of this. And I will prove that I have faith by doing them. I will prove that I have faith by doing them. Look, here's the deal. The way that you know that your faith is real is not by having some kind of like a metaphysical experience at the moment you become a Christ follower. According to the Bible, according to the brother of Jesus, the way you know that you're actually a Christ follower and that your faith is real is by changing how you live your life. It's by doing good deeds. Okay, now look. Hold on, some people get this backwards, okay? They think that doing good deeds saves them from hell. They think that being a good person is is what's going to get them to heaven. Not true. Only your faith in Christ gets you to heaven. But here's the deal. Doing good deeds, changing your life for Christ, is your proof that your faith in Christ is real. Look, that's why when you come to church here at Parkway Fellowship, at the end of every message, we ask you to take some next steps. Because when you change your life for Christ, that's the evidence that your faith is real. And if you don't change your life for Christ, what evidence is there that Christ has changed your life? Look, you can come in here every week, you know, with your arms crossed, and you know, and just sit back and never fill out your connection card and never take some next steps. Okay? None of that is a requirement for you to become a Christ follower. So you can do that if you want to. But here's what you need to understand. If you don't take next steps to change your life, then your life will not change. And if there is no visible evidence that Christ has changed your life, then at best, you are going to wrestle with doubt for your whole life, and at worst, you might, after you die, stand before God and realize you never became a Christ follower to begin with. But at that point, it's too late. So if you still have lingering doubts, then I encourage you to do one of two things. First, maybe you've never prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower. 
And if you've never really done that, then that simple prayer is at the bottom of your message dose. I'm going to give you a chance to pray it here in just a couple minutes. Or secondly, you need to start taking some next steps and letting Christ change your life because that will prove to you that your faith really is there, that it really is real. Look, I mean, for me, eventually, there was so much of my life that had changed, I just thought, there's no way that Christ has not come into my life. I mean, there's just simply too much evidence to believe anything else. And then I've never struggled from, with doubt from that point forward. All right, let me wrap it up by saying this today. The truth is, it is remarkable that James went from someone who grew, up, who grew up with Jesus, not believing that he was the son of God, not believing in him at all, to becoming someone who became a spiritual leader in the church and is teaching us today about how to have faith in Jesus. I mean, that's remarkable. I mean, that is proof that with God, there are no lost causes. Because with God, he can take anyone that is a skeptic and then he can turn them into a believer. He did it for me just before I entered junior high. He did it for James, his own brother. He's done it for hundreds of people in this room. And he can do it for you too. Because with God, there are no lost causes. So I want everyone to find your connection card and let's take some next steps together. Maybe for you it's this first next step. I commit to bring my family to church consistently to reap the benefits of hearing about Christ consistently. I'm telling you, I would not be here today if my parents had not done that, despite my objections as a kid. Next, I will read The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel so I can take an honest look at the resurrection of Jesus. Great book, you can get it, any bookstore, Amazon, fabulous book. Highly recommend it if you've never read it. Next, I will pray for someone I know that is a skeptic that Christ will reveal himself so he or she can see the reality of Christ. Would you start praying for him? Next, I commit to not arguing with people who are skeptical, but instead, I will only treat them with patience and kindness. Don't argue with those people. It won't do any good. Love them. Be kind to them. Next, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. That simple prayer is right below these next steps. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I'm going to give you a chance to do that here in about 30 seconds. Next, I, commit, I make a commitment to regularly take next steps to change my life as evidence that Christ lives in me. So would you take the next step that says, I will start taking next steps? Because I'm telling you, it's the prolonged life change of those next step changes in, your, in, in you, that'll be the evidence that your faith is real. 
or last. I will memorize James 2.18. Prove that you have faith without doing kind deeds, and I will prove that I have faith by doing them. I want to give everybody a chance to pray for a few moments and ask God to change your life. And if you're ready to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, then this is your chance to do it. But right now, all across the room, I want everybody to bow your head. Everybody bow your head and take these next moments and pray and ask God to change your life. If you're ready to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do that. Father, I want to say thank you for every person in this room today, every person that's listening to my voice, for the fact that you've never given up on any of us. And some of us were pretty lost causes, and some of us maybe grew up in God-fearing homes, but regardless, Father, you've never given up on any of us, and never will. And so I'm asking that for those in this room that are skeptical, God, that you would reach out to them today and help them cross that line. And Lord, for those that, those of us that know people that are skeptics, that you would help us to love them right where they are, no matter what. And for those that still have doubts at times that their faith is real, Lord, I ask that you would let their lives change for you. And over time, that preponderance of evidence would be proof that you're real in them. And so I ask that you would bring us all back safely next week so we can hear more of what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.